Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Brandon Ward. And I'm Ron Jorlock. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Uh, Before we get into today's episode, uh, I want to take a second to spotlight this month's topic, pastoral preaching. All month long, during February, we will be releasing articles, book reviews, and podcast episodes all on the topic of pastoral preaching. It's going to be a great month. Uh, But today, we are going to primarily discuss what it means to speak truth in love Mm. uh, from both behind the pulpit and then as you interact with people Uh, from day to day, Mm -hmm. whether that be in social media or the coffee shop or wherever it may be. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my first question for you, brother, is kind of a philosophical one, uh, but it would be for you just to kind of briefly tell us what does it mean to speak truth? Mm. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you, you sound like Pilate when you, uh, when you ask that. Uh, what, what, what is truth? Uh, uh, you know, truth is uh, the, the basic uh, philosophical definition of truth is that which corresponds to reality, uh, that which corresponds to reality. And so when we speak truth, we are saying, uh, we are speaking in accords with what is um, we're not trying to distort reality. We're not trying to say that something is that isn't there or something isn't there that is there. We're, we're trying to make sure that what we say aligns with what actually is. Uh, so, so obviously for us, uh, we would turn to the uh, revelation of what is, the true, uh, truest account of reality, and that is the scriptures. Uh, so when we speak the truth, we want to speak in accords with what Scripture has revealed to us as truth. Uh, so, uh, so think of like um, I believe it was Spurgeon uh, who talked about how you know you could you could uh, open up one of his veins and he would he would he would uh, he would find the Bible in his you know right there he would bleed uh, bibline I think is what the, the term that he said uh, that that that's kind of the the idea for us you know uh, are we so immersed with the scripture that that it just kind of uh, rather than coming out of our pores it comes out of our mouths you know we're speaking in line with uh, what God has said to be true uh, in the scriptures and so that that really is the baseline for us uh, are we speaking according to the truth of God's word are we speaking according to uh, uh, to the truth uh, of of reality, um, and and are we avoiding any any uh, pitfalls or so on that could distort reality? Hmm. Well, I think that's very helpful, and I, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you and I have talked about this a number of times, talking mm-hmm. talking about what truth is and 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 how it should be communicated. Uh, you know, if you want to know how much a person values truth. Uh, look at what they do when they find out they were wrong about something. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. do they admit they were wrong? Mm-hmm. Do they apologize for saying or communicating something inaccurate, uh, or do they immediately delete the comment if it's on social media, or if it's in person mm-hmm. uh, or behind the pulpit? Do they never acknowledge their error, mm-hmm. knowing mm-hmm. that the damage has already been done? 
that people have already heard and probably spread whatever it is that that's being discussed or talked about. How we respond shows the value of truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, one shows the value of truth, and the other shows the value of reputation or self. Wow. And so this is such a, an important uh, thing to grasp. Is you know, It sounds like such an easy question, what is truth? But yet we find ourselves constantly struggling with fake uh, news or, 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 or just inaccurate uh, accounts of things or false teachings. I mean, it, it, it seems like a, a kindergarten-type question to say, well, is this true? Mm-hmm. But yet we find ourselves constantly struggling with it even today. Yeah, you know, part of it really is uh, the the fact of our of our finitude. Uh, we are finite creatures. Reality, of course, uh, being a a universal thing, uh, reality is way bigger than us. And so there are things that I may be able to see with my eyes, I may be able to hear with my ears, I may be able to experience in my own life that is just simply limited. Uh, I don't know everything. Uh, And and so I may have an understanding of something uh, that in the broader scope of things may be actually totally inaccurate. I'm interpret I'm misinterpreting what I'm experiencing. I'm misinterpreting what I what I see and what I what I hear and so on. And so that's why uh, it, it's good to have a nice, healthy dose of humility <laughs> to say you don't know everything. Uh, something that you think may be true, you may find later on wasn't true. Uh, even in terms of our memory, there are things that you may remember. I know this has happened to me plenty of times. Uh, I'll, I'll be sharing a story uh, about something that happened with Annie and me back in the day, and and she'll just kind of look at me like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it didn't happen like that at all, you know." And that's how I remembered it, but my memory is wrong. That's not yeah. how, that's not what happened. So, uh, so we need to have a, a good, healthy dose of humility. Uh, we want to speak the truth as best as we understand it, and we have to be open to. Correct Direction, uh, should our understanding of the truth be wrong? The truth is the truth, yeah. but our understanding of the truth may need some uh, some corrections and some tweaks along the way. Yeah, we have to be receptive and open to correction, which in and of itself shows how much we value the truth. Mm-hmm. That's very helpful. So we've, we've, we've kind of got an understanding of, of what speaking the truth is. Now, what does it mean to speak the truth in love? How do we mm. lovingly speak truth into someone's life? Mm. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, in the scriptures, there is a difference. <laughs> I've heard some people over the years that have said, you know, the most loving thing that you could do to somebody is tell them the truth. The most loving thing that you could do with someone is tell them the truth. And it's interesting because in the scriptures, it seems like there's more to it than just simply telling the truth. Uh, I can tell the truth in a very unloving way, which is why I think Paul in in Ephesians 4, which is where we get the phrase, speak the truth in love, uh, uh, Paul says in there that we are to speak the truth in love. Now, if the most loving thing that you that you can do is tell someone the truth, then why have the phrase in love there? It, it would seem that in love would be synonymous with telling the truth. Uh, but Paul obviously has a distinction there. He understands that you can speak the truth not in love, uh, in an unloving way. 
and, and so he wants to make sure that you recognize that there is a way to tell the truth. You speak the truth in love. Second uh, Timothy, uh, Paul says a similar thing uh, to Timothy. He tells him in, at the end of Second uh, Timothy 2, uh, in verse uh, 24, he says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. And then he says this in verse 25, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Mm. Again, there's a way to tell the truth that is unloving. All right. So so we've got to make a little bit of a, of a, of a qualification here to, to telling the truth. It is loving to tell the truth. It is even more loving to tell the truth in love. <laughs> it is loving to correct your opponents. It is even more loving to correct your opponents with gentleness. And by the way, that's the command. All right. The command is not just to correct your opponents. The command is to correct your opponents with gentleness. Okay. So Paul is not just concerned with what you say, but he's also concerned with how you say it. And we must uh, take that as uh, as seriously as it is under the authority of God. This uh, this apostle here is commanding his people and us pastors in 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 particular uh, watch how you speak the truth. Uh, give me another example. Uh, in Second Timothy four, later on, we love the beginning, right? <laughs> I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And that's where we cut it off, right? <laughs> we cut it off right there. That no, no. There's no more to say. You know, we're good, Paul. We can take it from there. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach. No, 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 no. There's more to the verse. Yeah. Paul says that we are to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Mm. There's the love part again. You got to be patient with people. All right. You've got to be gentle. Second Timothy two. You've got to be patient. Second Timothy four. Now uh, uh, we have obviously in Ephesians four. Uh, we are to speak the truth in love. Paul is just as concerned about how we speak truth as he is that we speak truth. Mm, uh, so, yeah, uh, as we're as we're speaking, we've got to think about who we're talking to. You know, are we uh, are we using are we weaponizing the truth? Uh, or do we see the truth as as a, a source of healing, if you will, as as a, a means by which God uh, works in the heart and mind of the people that we're speaking we're speaking to uh, to um, to further conform them into the image of Christ, or if they're not believers, to further uh, lead them and draw them to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, we're not using this to produce blunt force trauma. Yeah. Uh, we're using this in order to help them become more like Jesus and love him even more deeply. It's teaching one-on-one, right? Yeah. And I think of uh, just parenting. You know, I think specifically of uh, my five-year-old. You know, when he does something bad early on in, in you know, parenting, I, I would say, don't do that. Mm-hmm. And he would say, well, why not? And I would say, because I said so. Right. And I didn't realize how damaging that was saying that it um, can be and yeah. and but now whenever he does something wrong saying son this is why you don't do this mm-hmm. this is why we don't do this mm-hmm. and it becomes a teachable moment rather yeah. than well don't do this just because i said don't do it you know yeah yeah but but sharing truth is so much more than speaking 
a one sentence response or rebuke. Yeah. Yeah. It is so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because we love the person, we want to see them restored. Yeah. We want to see them do right. You know, it's hard to speak truth and love when the only person you're loving is yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you definitely want to speak truth, but at the same time, why are you doing it? Yeah. Why are you speaking truth? Uh, you're doing it because you love the person. Yeah. The same reason why we administer church discipline is yes, it's to protect the witness of the church, but what do we want ultimately? Mm-hmm. We want to see the person come back yeah. and to yeah. be restored and to yeah. walk rightly with the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, even uh, again, uh, you know, it's funny how many of these examples that we're using in Scripture are coming from the pastoral letters. <laughs> um, it's almost as if Paul's trying to say something to us. Uh, but anyways, in First Timothy 1, he says, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, uh, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. Notice that's a strong word, charge them. Yeah. That you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. And again, we stop there, then we go, all right, blast them, you know, uh, blast the, the, the conspiracy theorists, you know, blast the fake news folks, blast all of these folks because they are, uh, they are not uh, stewarding the truth of the scriptures well. Cool, 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 cool. But wait a second, there's more. Verse five. The aim of our charge is love Hmm. that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Now, here we go again. I want you to know the truth. I want to correct the errors uh, that that, that are in your teaching. I want to keep you from derailing uh, not just yourself and your faith, but the faith of others as well. Why do I do this? Because I love you. Because I love you. So I'm going to say it in such a way that not only am I am I making sure that the truth is coming through, but I also want to make sure the love is coming through as well, uh, because because that that is the truth. <laughs> the truth is that I do love you, and I do sincerely want you to uh, uh, to walk in truth. Yeah, I mean, I just think of pastors. Like, why do you get up and preach and proclaim the gospel every single week? Is it because you love hearing yourself? come up with these spectacular illustrations and alliteration outlines mm. and all of these things? Or is it because you genuinely love the people in the pews? Mm-hmm. Do you want to see them uh, do, do you want to see them walk rightly and to live out the gospel in every single nook and cranny of their life? Mm. Because if it's the first one, brother, I just want to encourage you to self-examine yourself. We want to speak truth and love because we love the person, but because we also love God who sent his son to die for us Mm -hmm. when we were caught in sin, chained in sin, lost in this, uh, in every sense of the word, lost. Mm -hmm. So, brother, I want to ask a question because it's one that I hear a lot when we're talking about truth and and love and this balance. of doing both, mm-hmm. what would you say to someone who says they don't want to dole the truth with love? They don't want to bring love so much into the equation that has thrown off the truth at all. And, and, and what would you say to the person who uh, would say that they don't want to 
inflate the truth so much that it that it minimizes love and their care of the person as an individual. Hmm. You know, uh, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, and and I, I I hear folks on a regular basis that will that will compare themselves to the prophets. You know, they'll say, uh, you know, the prophets were, uh, I mean, they they were were just cutthroat. I mean, they they went in on people. Uh, you know, Amos called the women in, in chapter four of, of his of his prophecy. He calls the women the cows of Bashan, you know, which probably isn't a way <laughs> to win friends and influence people. Uh, um, you know, going around calling ladies cows and things like that. Uh, you know, and you have others, you know, Jesus called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, John the Baptist called them a brood of vipers. You know, I mean, you're just going, what in the world is going on? So does that give us... Uh, uh, permission then to go in on folks like that, you know, and to just just hammer home, you know, and 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 be as as biting and scathing as we possibly can. Well, perhaps, except from just about every other one that I could think in the scriptures, there's also language that is very tender-hearted. Yeah. Uh, Amos, for instance, in chapter four, will call the ladies the cows of Bashan. But in chapter five, he'll he'll plead with them, seek the Lord, seek the Lord, you know, turn to him. Okay, Uh, uh, Jesus, of course, you know, the Lord could call the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. And yet he could also say, come to me, all who are burdened and and and, uh, 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 all who are weary and heavily burdened. And I will give you rest, Mm -hmm. you know, and and he weeps over the people of Jerusalem and saying, how I long to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks, you know, and and so on. We see the tenderness there. Of course, Paul, you know, Paul could rebuke uh, Peter to his face in Galatians 2. And yet he could also turn around and chapter six of Galatians to say, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, they, they were forceful, you know, in their language and, and they could pack a punch with their words. And yet at the same time, when they were rebuking, they would rebuke. And then when they would uh, turn into, uh, uh, to show the love and the tenderness of the Lord, they turned and showed the love, love and tenderness of the Lord as well. What I notice with a lot of folks uh, today is they, they want the boom, right? You know, here, here comes the boom, you know, and they're, they're going, they're like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it. I'm bringing the heat today, you know, and, and all of that. And you go, okay, but that doesn't seem to be the attitude that we find in the prophets and the apostles and, of course, our Lord himself. That's not the attitude. You know, the attitude is I, I, I've got to be truthful about your sin, and I've, I may even have to be a bit jarring, you know, to, to get your attention. But, but after I have, I have gotten your attention and, and showed and communicated the seriousness of the sin, then I also have to turn around and, and, and lay out the mercy and the grace and the mm-hmm. kindness of our Lord. The prophets could, could blast you and then turn around and say, but God will rebuild and God will bring hope, mm-hmm. you know, and the remnant will be okay, you know, and all of that. And God will be gracious again and so on. It's a, it's a balance in the scriptures yeah. and okay. we've got to make sure we maintain that balance. Once again, I, I just go straight back to parenting because I think it's one of the best illustrations for doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, when my son does something bad, it may require a punishment. Mm-hmm. The punishment is not fun. That's not why it's a punishment. Yeah. And sometimes it can be very blunt. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be very painful. Mm-hmm. But always, always taking the opportunity 
to come in afterwards and apply grace and yeah. to try to make it a teachable moment. Yeah. To say, look, you messed up, mm-hmm. but there's mm-hmm. forgiveness, and there's a right way to do this now. Yeah. So let's work together to get you there. And I think the same attitude is required as we're dealing with people, even as we're preaching from the pulpit. That same attitude of, yes, there are times where you got to be more stern than others, but there's always an attitude of wanting to see the person repent, to see the person turn to truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. With the love part, uh, you say uh, kind of on the flip, someone who's kind of leaning, you know, kind of doubling down on the love side. And they say, well, I don't want to tell the truth. I don't want to hurt the person's feelings. I don't want to, you know, damage their psyche, you know, or, or, or something like that. Uh, the analogy that comes to mind is 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 like the the cheerleader, you know, the 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 crowd that kind of cheers a person on as they're running a marathon. So here they are going, you know, running, and they're getting tired, and you've got folks on the sidelines going, "Hey, you can do it! Keep going! Keep going! Keep pushing! Just a few more steps! A few more steps! A few more steps!" All right, that's wonderful. Uh, but what if the person's running in the opposite direction? Hmm. All right, so they are running in the marathon, not towards the finish line, but they're actually running towards the starting line. <laughs> if I'm there and I'm going, go, 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 you can do it, and all of this, I'm not helping. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm being very encouraging. I may be very gracious. In fact, I, you could be contributing them trying to get to the wrong, going the wrong direction exactly, even faster. Exactly, and I think that that's the example. Uh, that's a good illustration for someone. Who, who wants to be loving, but without the truth. Uh, no, you should not keep going. Yeah. <laughs> you need to stop, and you need to turn around, and you need to go in the opposite direction. You're going the wrong way. Now, it may hurt that person's feelings. Of course, he'll be embarrassed. You know, uh, uh, you call him out, and and now the you know the entire world realizes that you're going the op- you're going in the wrong direction, and so on. So yeah, it's it's going to be a little embarrassing to see the entire world looking at you. You know, acting a fool, going the wrong way. But in the end, you actually might help the person turn around yeah. and head towards the finish line, which is what you want. So we want to, uh, to, to love, but realize that it's not loving to encourage someone to go the wrong way. Mm. Uh, you've got to make sure that you're telling the truth. Uh, so in our, in our culture, you know, I get it. Our culture is, is, is off. <laughs> the, the larger culture uh, that, we, that we live in is just off. And we celebrate everything. You know, we, we we really live in a culture that is cheering people on to, yeah. you know, to run in the wrong direction. You do you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your truth is, is the truth. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. You know, uh, it's it's not about truth. It's about your truth, you know. And, and so long as you're running in the direction of your truth, you know, keep on going. We're here. We're cheering you on and all of that. That's just not what we get from the scriptures. That is not the witness from the scriptures. The scriptures uh, teach us very clearly there is a right direction. And if you're not heading in that right direction, of course, in Christ, who is the way, uh, by means of the Holy Spirit to you know, and towards the Father, uh, if you're not going in that direction, then you're heading in the wrong direction. And it would be unloving for me uh, to cheer you on as you're going in that direction. It may be an opportunity for weeping. It may be an opportunity for me to be a bit stinging uh, in my rebuke if I need to. Uh, but that is the most 
most loving thing that I could do in that moment. And I could say in that moment, because everything in me longs for you to walk in truth, to go towards the Lord and not away from the Lord. So it may be, you know, uh, uh, some... Uh, some uh, some tough uh, sledding for you, you know, if you're going to uh, if you're going to be in that situation, and the person may not experience it at lo- uh, as love while you're saying it, but it, our prayer, of course, is that 10, 15, 20 years down the road, they could turn around at that moment and say, "You told me the truth, and you loved me uh, along the way, and that's why I am walking towards Christ now." Thank you so much uh, for for taking that time to help me. Yeah, that's that's very helpful. And real quick, I would even say that there isn't even a, how you respond, you as a pastor, mm-hmm. how you respond to a rebuke mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. reveals how much you care about truth. Oh, yeah. And the person giving you oh, yeah. the correction or the rebuke. I mean, mm-hmm. so often it can, it can be hurtful. Yeah. It can hurt the pride a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But as you mentioned earlier, being, being humble, being yeah. marked with humility and, and realizing that that brother or sister... Is rebuking you yeah. out of love and not to not to dunk on you, not mm-hmm. not to Le, not to LeBron you, mm-hmm. uh, but mm-hmm. out of genuine love, they want to see you um, walking in light and truth. Yeah, yeah. Always be receptive to uh, to truthful rebuke. Yeah, and reproving. Uh, there are some folks who literally do want to dunk on you. Um, <laughs> uh, but we're, we're talking specifically about the ones who, who are with their words, with their gentle rebuke, uh, they are, uh, seeking your holiness. Yeah. They're seeking your, your sanctification. And, uh, you should always have, uh, wise, seasoned, discerning, uh, brothers and sisters there, uh, around you that are willing to, uh, to lovingly tell you the truth. And shameless plug, we have an episode called Pastors and Criticism, mm-hmm. which would be a really good one to go back and listen to on receiving uh, criticisms from others. Yeah. Uh, so one more question. Uh, we've kind of been in it a little bit. Uh, you've shared a lot of really good examples. Uh, but what are some other good examples we see in Scripture mm-hmm. of speaking truth and love? Hmm. There there are so many examples. Um largely because there's so many screw-ups in the Bible, uh, which is great. That's great company for me. Um, uh, but, but also because I think that the Lord really cares about this. And so he, he uh, gives us so many examples to help model this for us. You can think of uh, Jethro, uh, Moses' uh, father-in-law. Uh, who sees the way that Moses was leading, and uh, you know Moses was basically the uh, we could say today he was the the senior pastor uh, with no deacons, no elders, or anything like that. He's just kind of running it all by himself, and he's and he doesn't even realize the fact that he's killing himself. It took Jethro, uh, his father-in-law, coming in and saying, "Son, you need to do something. Uh, you need some. You need some judges that are here that are able to handle all the matters and so on. And only for the ones that they can't handle, that's what comes to you. So, so you're almost like the Supreme Court, if you will, and uh, and 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 have the lower courts, you know, deal with uh, deal with the regular matters of the." Uh, 
uh, of the people and so on. That was good. You know, I'm sure that Moses probably didn't want to hear from his father-in-law, son, you're doing it all wrong. Uh, but hey, he needed that at that time. And well, Moses lived several, several decades after that. And so uh, for that, you know, we praise God. Um, uh, of course, you have uh, Nathan, the prophet, you know, with you are the man. Uh, that's stinging. Uh, it's, it's a rebuke. Uh, and yet at the same time, David desperately needed somebody to come up and speak to his face. But if you notice, he doesn't just get up there and say, you idiot, you know, I can't believe that you've sinned like this. No, he, he takes an indirect approach at this. He gives a parable and through the parable, he, 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 he addresses the sin uh, without uh, re- without coming full force at David, he allows David, in essence, to uh, uh, to to see the wrongness of his actions by looking at the wrongness of his actions in another person's situation with the parable. Uh, I thought that I think that's an excellent way of doing it. And then, of course, you have others. You know, you have a, a, our Lord. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, John would say that he's full of grace and truth. Uh, and so he's able to speak that way. He's able to speak to uh, Nicodemus. And, uh, and it seems from the rest of John that Nicodemus did uh, come into the fold. Uh, you could talk about the Samaritan woman. Uh, we don't know exactly why she had multiple marriages, but she had multiple marriages. And judging probably by the time that she came to the well, she was probably dealing with some community shame and things like that. And yet the Lord talks with her. And by the time they're all done, she's going off uh, uh, sharing the gospel with her Samaritan neighbors. Uh, that's what speaking the truth and love could do. Uh, you know, the, the Lord was, uh, was uh, as we would expect, perfect <laughs> at this, uh, that he could expose sin, and, and yet sinners wanted to be closer to him. Yeah. I mean, what is that, you know? Uh, and what does that look like for us as pastors and as preachers? It is possible to be that kind of communicator where we could be open and honest about sin and, and folks would want to hear more. Uh, I think that that has something to do with having the spirit of Christ in us. So if I could talk a little bit about, about what that may look like for us. Um, I don't think that, that it's a manufactured thing. I, I don't think that there's, there's this step-by-step, you know, just do these things and, and, and it'll work that way. I think in order to be like Christ, you need the spirit of Christ. You know, so if we're going to speak the truth in love, and if we're going to be full of grace and truth, as our Lord is full of grace and truth, then we need the Spirit of Christ working in us, transforming us, and animating us to be that. So, uh, I'd say, you know, uh, uh, to be what we see, you know, and kind of follow the examples that we see in Scripture, we need to walk by the Spirit, and uh, and not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Uh, We need to uh, uh, to. uh, walk in such a way that the fruit of the spirit is producing in us rather than us fulfilling the deeds of our of our flesh uh, we we want to dunk on somebody we want you know to uh, to stand there you know kind of stand over them like Iverson over Tyron Lu and and just kind of flex over them yeah. or something you know and and everything we want that because that makes us look great mm-hmm. but sometimes it builds a brand yeah than building up a brother oh yeah and believe me there are plenty of brand builders uh, in in our world today uh, who's I mean their whole ministry model slash business model 
you know, is is to crush on people, you know, to just to just, you know, I'm I'm here to break your soul <laughs> with my words and my rhetoric and all of that. The way of the spirit is to love and and kindness and patience and gentleness and and so on. And, uh, and and that's not just um, the way of the Spirit, but that follows the example of Christ that we see in Scripture. Mm, that's, that's good. Uh, well, that'll do it for this week. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Uh, if you've enjoyed this episode and the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review and provide some topics that you would like us to cover in the future. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. It is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope we have done that in our conversation today. And as always, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.